Welcome back everybody. If you didn't notice, I took a break over the Christmas period and that break uh, came a little bit longer than I expected. <laughs> um, I made some big changes at the start of 2021. Um, I have sold uh, one of my businesses. So that has been a big process for me. And that's something I'm going to speak about in episode two. So this year, my focus is going to be solely on this podcast and the launch of my Mentor Me program, which uh, kicks off at the end of February. So for any business owners out there looking to join a kick-ass group uh, to be mentored in your business for eight months, this is where you'll find me this year. So the first episode back, episode 13, uh, is with Alyssa Lato from 123 Nourish Me. And what I loved about this episode was that I actually learnt a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm one of those moms that, you know, my kids eat eh, kind of okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I dabble in the toxin-free and I dabble in organic, but I'm not wholly committed because I don't know enough about it. And so chatting to Alyssa, she had a wealth of information. Her and her partner, Danny, started 123 Nourish Me and it became a huge success. And I love talking to her about the fact that she built a community before she launched a product to them. I love that. I think that makes life so much easier. And she talks about how she did that. She talks about how they found a gap in the market for their products and all about the products and what what are the nasty chemicals and what does it take to create a toxin-free uh, product in Australia? What are the rules? What are the guidelines? What you can and can't do? Uh, it was interesting to find out what other um, products um, have written on their ingredients but might not necessarily be actually what's in them. And the Australian standards, super fascinating. And, of course, talking about kids these days on their screens. <laughs> I know that sounds boring, but I promise it's really exciting. So thank you so much, Alyssa, for chatting to me, and I hope you guys enjoy the first one back for 2021. You're listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast with Elsa Mitchell. Come along with me as I explore all the remote corners of Australia, uncovering success stories from women killing it in business. I'll inspire you, teach you, and best of all, make you laugh by sharing their journey and mine so that we can grow together in life and in business. Mom, have you seen my pants? Right, get out of here with the podcast. Okay, today I am going to be chatting with Alyssa Lato from 123 Nourish Me, and we're going to be having a good chat about how she's grown a successful business, and she has a basement story. Um, a basement story is what um, is that, you know, whole, we started in our basement with $10 and then <laughs> we grew this huge successful business. So I'm super excited to get her basement story and chat about fuck ups, which is another favorite topic of mine. Alyssa, thank you so much for talking to me today. I don't know if it was $10, but um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit more than $10, but thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. And you were starving and you were living on baked beans. We had to busk for our first product, Lord. <laughs> so funny. You name it. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, it was a little bit more than $10, but it, it was a small amount, I suppose, in the, um, in the bigger scheme of business. Why don't you tell us, um, my, our listeners, uh, your whole story? So where you started and how you got to 123 Nourish Me? Sure. Well, I um, am first and foremost uh, a mum and I've got 10-year-old um, twin boys. And um, when my children were born, I started to um, become really aware of what was going into products for children. And I'd become sort of um, a little bit of an ingredient detective, I guess, where I would be looking at, you know, conventionally bought baby products from the supermarkets. And I would be turning these products over and looking um, on the back of these um, packets and 
everything from the food that you know we were feeding kids to the products that we were using in their bath to and I started to become pretty horrified by the amount of toxic chemicals that we were slathering onto our kids um and you know I was the mum that did buy all those things um in the early stages and then you know as I started to become a little bit more savvy with what these things were I um just went, oh my God, these these don't belong on my kids. In fact, these don't belong on anybody's kids. There there are ingredients in these products that um, are completely interfering with babies and, and kids' health. You know, there are ingredients in there that are disrupting their hormones. There are ingredients in there that are causing um, inflammatory reactions on their skin. And I just was like, how how have we gotten so off track with um, brainwashing mothers that these products are acceptable to use on our kids. So I started to make things um, at home in my kitchen and um, very, very simple ingredients, very, very um, high-quality ingredients, and I realised that what I could make at home was, um, I think, superior to many of the products that were heavily marketed to us as um, parents. It's like that thing came out a couple of years ago about pawpaw cream and how like there's only like 0.1% or something is actually pawpaw in the pawpaw cream. Totally. And don't forget 90, you know, well, I can't say the percentage, but such a high level of, you know, things like petroleum in, in pawpaw cream. And, um, and, you know, a lot of the trusted brands of which, you know, I can't mention names are now in major lawsuits because they... Um, they haven't been doing the right thing by families and they've known that, you know, talcum powder is actually interfering with mm. children's um, with children's reproductive organs and we're putting, you know, for a generation we were putting talcum powder in around the genitals of children. So, you know, it's just um, at the stage where um, I realised there was a big gap in the market for, first of all, education for parents, so teaching parents okay let's mm. learn to turn stuff over and go, and look at this ourselves and go hmm, there's an ingredient I don't recognize I wonder if this is a good choice and then second of all creating products myself that that I knew that I would only ever use on my own kids um, and people I guess in in um, the market seem to resonate with that isn't it funny how it's um not always, but often it's not until we do have kids that we look at our lifestyle choices and the things that we like are using, you know, in our home, cleaning products, the food, you know, it's weird, isn't it? Up until that point, we're just quite happily like exit molding the shower and binging off, you know, hungry jacks. <laughs> but you have kids and it's like a switch goes off. If only we cared about ourselves as much as we cared about our kids. Totally. I mean, there are so many stories I hear of parents buying their kids, you know, only organic food and eating, you know, McDonald's themselves. So you're definitely oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> to do that, that um, you know, we do tend to kind of separate that. We do want the best for our kids. That's a normal, um, that's a normal parental reaction. But what I find it, it's interesting because when parents start to become really educated in, um, you know, what those additives in foods are doing to their children's behaviour and they see it, you know, when, when their kids go to birthday parties and they come back with little ferals and um, and they realise that giving them that much, um, not it's not even just sugar, it's the, you know, additives and preserving agents that are banned in, mm. in, in other countries but we still allow in Australia, they suddenly go, oh, you know, um, I can see now that this is actually deeply impacting my children. You know, they're covered in eczema. They're, they've always got allergies. Um, their behaviour is shocking. Um, also, I don't feel too great when I'm having that stuff either. And I do find that it's a it's a no. <laughs> and then they go, actually, I don't feel great when I'm eating this kind of stuff either. So I think as as parents become educated, it does um, tend to sort of flow through to not only their kids but to their own choices as well. 
It's interesting because there are certain products and things in Australia where the bar is very high as to what is allowed in terms of ingredients and products, and then we completely drop the ball in other areas. It's a real lack of consistency, isn't there? There's a lack of transparency um, and there is a lack of, um, I mean, this is what I've found in, in personal care products is that we don't have to actually fully list on the ingredients what's in a product. So let's take, for example, something like sunscreen. So the law in Australia states that we have to disclose um, the active constituent in that sunscreen, so whatever the active ingredient is that that protects and the preservative. So I could put in, I could disclose those two things and I could have 20 other ingredients that are not listed. That's the law. We're allowed to do that. And it's the same in foods. You know, we're allowed to put in an ingredient like natural flavours well, natural flavours can be up to 30 different undisclosed ingredients. So, um, you know, while there is, um, you know, some transparency in some areas, there is a massive, massive area where we simply don't know what's in foods and we don't know what's in products. Which is fascinating, isn't it, given... Uh, how huge it, allergies and, you know, people's reactions to, like, it seems like the allergies things become a really huge thing over the last decade as well. So it's really amazing that that is still the standard that is, and it's with the sun cream as well. That's another product that over the last few years has been copping a lot of shit because people have been getting sunburnt to crap. Um, using sunscreen. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I know the brands you're referring to that have been um, under a lot of scrutiny for, for children burning. And the reality is when it's um, when you're allowed to put that much crappy stuff in sunscreen and then we put, I mean, our, our skin is a highly absorbent organ. So it actually really matters what's in sunscreen with what we're putting on our kids. That really matters. Um, not to mention, as an aside, our ocean health is in freaking crisis. I mean, our oceans are yes. dying and we are putting ingredients into sunscreen that is bleaching our baby coral and destroying our marine life. Um, it's it's unforgivable. You know, it's, it's inexcusable at this day and age that we're not taking better care of our of our ocean health and I mean these ocean ecosystems are not separate from us we are an ecosystem too and our kids are an ecosystem so if it's literally destroying ocean ecosystems what's it doing to the ecosystems of our little people um that's when it shows up in skin reactions and um you know we have the highest rate of childhood disease of any time in history, we are we are the first generation um, of our children that will have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. And I think you know you have to remember it's never just one thing that that causes these things. This is a multi-dimensional thing. But we have to realise that we are eating less real food than any time in history. We're using so many products that are not from natural sources than any time in history. Um, And we, you know, it has to have a connection. And our children are incredibly stimulated. They're not moving their bodies enough. They're not getting enough adequate um, (laughs) sunshine. We're, We're inside on screens. We're not... Uh, we're not connecting with it at an emotional level too. I'm laughing because I have uh, another a friend and a client of mine who is just launching a business. She's been a school teacher for 20, 30 years and she says, we are raising dumb fucks. Kids cannot do <laughs> the things, the simple things that they should be doing they, they're not doing them anymore. She's like, she, she, she's been so shocked by the changes in children and their development that she's now launching a business, um, which is going, I think she's going to be wildly successful that really focuses on what we need to be doing with our kids because they are not. Um, where they used to be. They're not when you're as advanced and they're not having the life skills or the day-to-day motor skills to um, function properly and 
in society. Yeah, and I mean, you you look at it even at a very very basic level. Like even our children's eyeballs are literally changing shape, and the reason is is because we're leaning forward. We are focused forward and downwards and we're losing the ability to have peripheral vision um, because we're looking at screens on blue light and looking inwards. We're not looking up. We're not scanning. And so children's eyeballs are literally changing shape because we have so many screens. So what they're predicting now is in the next 10 years, we're going to have children with a huge number of eye problems um, because we are so screen heavy. And this is the thing, when we're not moving our bodies, when we're not getting enough fresh air, sunshine, exercise, um, we're not also connecting. You know, we're not we're not, we go to an airport now, not that many of us are traveling at the moment with COVID, but you go to an airport and children aren't watching the planes take off anymore. They're looking at their iPad. <laughs> we're kind of missing, we're missing the beauty of connection and we're missing the beauty of making eye contact with each other. You go to a coffee shop and you look in the line where five people are ordering coffee. Nobody's making eye contact with each other. We're all looking down on our phones. I'm not immune. Yeah. I'm not immune. I work on my phone. I'm on it far too much. But I'm I'm noticing the trends. And even myself, you know, I notice my own mental health is directly correlated to my amount of time on my phone. Mm. Yep, me too. And um, so because I too have um, 10-year-old twins, girls, not boys, so um, we have lots of twin mum issues in common, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, my girls get a sore neck and I'm like, you know why you have a sore neck? It's because you've been on your iPad. That's why you have a sore neck and you're 10 years old. You should not have a sore neck. Well, that's right. <laughs> it freaks me out. When you and I were ten, we were um, we were playing down the street, weren't we, with the neighbor with the neighbor's kid? Oh, beating up our brothers, yeah. throwing sticks at people. My mum <laughs> lock the door and they come in at sunset, like be outside. We would be out yes. playing until the sun went down with the neighbor's kids. But we, you know, we it's a very different generation now, and um, it's an it's a Oh, absolutely. It's, it's going to be very interesting how this plays out and I still think uh, and my children are constantly resentful toward me but I still think the biggest gift we can give our kids is to deprive them of screen time. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, deprive them. My favourite thing to do is to ban the iPad. I love it. Okay. I love it. I love it when they give me a reason to say, no iPad. I'm like, keep going because I will ban this to the end of time. But like you said, the other thing as well is I grew up on a farm, so we were off playing and doing extremely dangerous things that if you did now, probably you'd be on the news. Um, But I live in Perth now, as do you, and I live in Trigg near the beach and we live right near Trigg bushland. And I'm always saying my kids should be over in that bushland building cubbies, riding bikes and playing. But there isn't a chance in hell I would let my kids go and play in that trig bushland by themselves because it's not safe. Yeah. All kinds of people wander in and out of that bushland and, and it's it's shit. It's so I find that really I really struggle with that, especially as someone that grew up on a farm. I'm like, oh, I find it so weird that you can't just I can't just say, off you go. Go and play in the bush, go build some cubbies, go be kids. Totally. And it's funny, I was going to say before that, you know, there's no judgment on screens because sometimes giving kids screens is the biggest break a mother can give herself, you know. So there's no there's no judgment about that. But I was in the same dilemma with my kids starting to ride to school and I was going, I think they're going to need one of those watches now that, that have a phone on so if anything happens. <laughs> you track them. <laughs> I can track them and they can call me and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was in this dilemma going, why does a 10-year-old need a phone? I just don't know if I'm cool with that. Mm. And, and a friend said to me, you know, children for, for generations have been okay going to and from school, and yet there's this duality that goes on in my brain that goes, yes, that's true, and yes, I'm. it's my fears too around safety and security. So I don't know what the answer is with all of that stuff, but it is we're leaning toward being so Yeah. Sick tech heavy it's it's a it's a balance somewhere in the middle and it's the same like I would love to be able to just you know allow the kids to go up and down the street but we don't tend to do that as much anymore so I guess that's where we have to adapt that we have to go 
all right, well, instead of going, mm. um, you know, and you're lucky like me, you live near the beach, instead of staying inside, we're going to literally go down for a picnic at the beach and take the frisbee. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're just getting outdoors. You actually have to do something with your child now. You have to go with them. <laughs> Back in the day, our mums just used to sit around. Oh, my mum would shoot me for saying this. I was about to say they just used to sit around sipping their Chardonnay while we'd be off playing. <laughs> now it's like you actually probably have to participate in the play, you know, go sit down the park and be pre- like watch them play or take them to the beach or take them to the skate park or, you know, I'm quite lucky my kids are outdoorsy kids but, um, you know, <laughs> you have to be there. You can't just say bugger off and come back in. 10 hours when you're hungry absolutely unless they're with a group this is where you can encourage group play to get like six of them you know in a group and um my yes have started um just going down to the little local park and i don't mind that if there's a group of them you know and then one of them has a phone no and all of all of us mums kind of it's the it's the stage and age where you're allowing that little bit more independence and yeah, we're the same. You know. Yeah. But sometimes there's always one mum that quickly does a drive-by and just keeps an eye, an eye on the group. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've started one, two, three, nourish me. So you you started that what ten years ago or nine years ago when your twins were born? No, I didn't. So we started. I made a business partnership. So um, Danny and I, Danny's my business partner. We started our product side of our business um, around four years ago. In the early days, I just started a Facebook page, and um, that's when my kids were born. And I started sharing what I was making recipe wise and um, education wise, and I just started showing what I was doing. And that's when. Um, uh, the page kind of grew pretty significantly. Um, a lot of people were very interested in that for their own kids. And then they got to a point where the audience was sort of saying, um, we don't want to make it ourselves. We just want a, someone else to do it for us. Why don't you release products? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. So, so Danny and I got together um, and um, Danny's one of my oldest and dearest friends and I kind of always knew we would do something in business together. Um, and we have quite similar backgrounds but quite unique skill sets and so I rang her one day she was just about to deliver her third child and she was on the way to the hospital I said I've got this business idea I really want you to come into business with me and I put out this product range and she was like I love it let's let's talk about it I just let me get this child delivered and then I'll I'll (laughs) and so she, she went and delivered her child and then um, in that next sort of six months when her third was um, a newborn, we basically developed our product range and, um, yeah, and we, we, began, we began our business really from, from that point in terms of um, – and our business just flew very quickly because I think we'd already developed a strong following um, and, you know, people had mm, oh. for a long time and, and I'd never really sold to them before. So there was a lot of brand – trust there there was a lot of I built quite a yes so it wasn't coming in I knew that this was a niche in the market I knew that I had an audience that trusted me that I I had never sold to before so by the time we put out a product range our issue wasn't selling the products our issue was keeping up with the demand of the products um what a good problem to have that's such that's something that often say to people is if you already have the following or you grow the following first and then you launch your life is so much easier as opposed to if you've just started a product and so I'm constantly telling people that I work with like you know if you before you've got this product ready you really need to start growing an audience be um building yourself as an authority on that topic because then their warm audiences kind of ready to go but when you start a product and then you just all you start it all at once it's so much harder so yeah I think that's definitely the right formula you stumbled on there yeah and it was very um authentic as well like my my goal in business has never been to sell make money like it's been a really wonderful side effect from that my primary <laughs> we'll take it like my primary I couldn't keep we couldn't keep doing what we did if our motivation was just that it, it just wouldn't sustain our motivation is to completely reduce the toxic load on kids I completely 
believe in that cause passionately and wholeheartedly. And, um, you know, there was a long time when our business didn't make money and it didn't, um, it was difficult, you know, like it's, there's small markups on organics. There's, it, you know, there's mistakes that you make in business along the way. Mm. Not like it's, um, although we, you know, we did really well in, in some ways in the business early on, it wasn't without hurdles. It wasn't without huge setbacks at different times. It wasn't without difficulty. Anybody that tells you that a small business and a new business is um, a linear scale of escalation is not being honest. Uh, <laughs> have nearly folded three times. Um, our, um, you know, we've made some huge mistakes along the way. Um, I don't call them mistakes. I call them learning experiences. And I think with any learning yeah. experience, it's how quickly you correct when you're off course. And we've been able to, you know, correct very quickly when we realise we're off course. And we're also very honest about our mistakes to our audience and we ask them for guidance. So there's no ego there. When we've fucked something up, it's like, guys, we've fucked this up. What do we do? What What do you guys think? And our audience, yeah. if you want hard feedback, you ask your audience straight away and it's brutal and it hurts. Oh. But it's, it allows you the, the ability to correct. I'm all for feedback, whether it's positive or negative. Sometimes actually the negative when it's given constructively is the best possible feedback because if you don't know, you can't fix it. So that's awesome. But can you tell me one of your fuck-up stories because we get off on this stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, where do I start? <laughs> so one of our products, you can choose two you can choose three well, hit me with them well, here's two of the ones that nearly killed our business each one um the first one was um we have a product in our range called hello sunshine sunscreen and um sunscreens are the hardest product to manufacture because yeah they're um, you know, there's huge amounts of regulations around them. There's TGA authority um, and, and approval around sunscreens. And it's very hard to do what we were trying to do, which was to um, do a natural sunscreen that um, smelt good, that rubbed in really nicely, that wasn't like, um, you know, slathering on um, cement um, because all the chemicals in sunscreen is what makes it spread. So when you're trying to do something that doesn't contain any of that, it's really hard to get a good finish. Um, so we, yeah, right. we worked on our sunscreen for two years. We kept refining it and we finally got it perfect. And um, it's a huge investment when you're doing batches of products like, and you're doing big runs of thousands of units of a product, you can't get it wrong. And so we did our yeah. first run of sunscreen. It was highly anticipated. We um, invested an enormous amount of money. All of our savings went into doing this sunscreen. And we put out our first batch and people were raving about it and it was like, this is the best sunscreen I've ever had. It was perfect. And we used this ingredient in the sunscreen called shea butter. And shea butter I would consider yep. it's like a, working with a temperamental toddler. It, um, it's brilliant when it's brilliant and when it's not brilliant, it's embarrassing. And what happens to shea butter <laughs> is when it gets really hot, and it cools down slowly, it goes like cottage cheese. And yep. so people, like when they've got their sunscreen out at the beach and it's a really hot day and then it cools down slowly, it started to turn into this lumpy kind of revolting, lumpy mess. I'm sure yeah. when, when it's really hot and then you stick it straight in the fridge, it's perfect. But, I mean, who does that to their sunscreen? So about two weeks after. Yeah, no one. No one does that. Two weeks, two weeks after we launched, we were, we were inundated with complaints. We were like, people are like, I've spent this money on this sunscreen. It's expensive. It's literally like cottage cheese. And we were like, my God, this is a disaster. Like, this is a disaster. Oh, no. You know, so it was so heartbreaking for us. It was just like, um, yeah, we thought it would kill our business. And so what we did is we went straight on. We did a Facebook Live. Um, we offered everybody a refund um, for our product, but we explained to them that although it doesn't look great, 
it doesn't affect the SBF at all. It's still, you know, completely fine. Yeah, because I was going to say it could have been worse. People could have been sending you photos of their sunburnt kids. Yeah, totally. But it's just in terms of its aesthetics and we said, like, we, we're trying to get this right. If you want a refund, contact us, you know, um, and we emailed everyone that bought from us saying this is what's – we were so on the front foot with it. Do you know less than 5% yeah. of people for that – order requested refunds and and oh that's so good what happened is they went no problem if you tell us it still works that's all we care about keep up the great work keep working on it we'll still buy from you again thanks for your yeah right so like that was an example of um you know really difficult stuff that really could have killed our business in that but our audience we trusted in them and they trusted back in us we removed the shea butter we had a perfect product so then the next run we send everyone complimentary sunscreen so those customers you know awesome. from three years ago are still customers I mean they must have reordered from us you know many many times based on the relationships that we've built with them um with, with that audience and um, people are very loyal to brands that treat them well and that respect their opinion and that treat them with honesty and respect which I think we do well it's called, I call it being a good human. So if you genuinely care about your customer and their experience with you, then you can't go wrong. And like you said, it's transparency and communication, not just burying your head in the sand and, oh, shit, like just having conversations and being communicating with your clients goes a really long way. And it, it was something that I've always believed because as you know, I've had a bricks and mortar business for many years. So it's a lot easier to, to give that customer service and really instill those old-fashioned kind of customer values. And I've always said you can still do that with an online business. You can still create a really amazing customer journey even though your business is online. And you pretty much just said that. But I also noticed um, when I was watching one of your little videos online about how you sell on Amazon and how you have amazing reviews on Amazon and people really love that they get the fast delivery and they enjoy their experience with you, you you can still have good old-fashioned amazing customer service even though your business is online. You just have to communicate with people and show up. Well, totally. And, and it's an interesting thing because reviews actually sell your business. So we something we've focused very hard on is asking for feedback. And the point you've just made is, is a really valid one because one of the issues I think with feedback, the enemy of feedback is defensiveness. So, and that's an ego response. You know, we feel defensive mm. now. We're yeah. Defensive when we're when we're you know there is feedback given that's not favorable. It, it it kind of. But how can we suspend our ego and how? And and there's a double edged sword to this too because some people complain for the sake of complaining. So you also yes. have yes. you also want to have a combination of of um, suspending ego and then also boundaries when you know no actually you've really tried twice or three times to make this right for you. You're com- you're committed to dissatisfaction, which is no longer our role to make that right. You know what I mean? So it's a fine line between working out the balance of those two. I don't ever believe it's customers right at all expense. I think the customers, <laughs> customers no. have a responsibility to be kind humans also. And if we've done our best and at a reasonable way to try and um, sort something out with them and they're committed to not to, to dissatisfaction, that's no longer the company's issue. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. We had a client once at the at my salon and because <laughs> I'm the same, exactly everything you're saying, I have the same values. I don't believe the customer is always right. Um, quite often I, I, I didn't used to be like this in the beginning. If I thought they were wrong or I would want to because I'm all about being fair, um, I would kind of argue things a little bit, but I've really learned now just some most of the time it's the best way just to get that customer happy and acknowledge them and do what you can to to resolve the problem. But every now and then you get someone who's just an asshole. Because yeah. <laughs> sometimes people are assholes. And we had a client come into my salon once and one of the girls said to me, Oh, I don't have a good feeling about this client at all. She, she has just since she sat down, she's been talking about Google reviews. 
<laughs> our Google reviews and just making a lot of noise about Google reviews. And it, it, it just felt from the get-go like we were getting set up for yeah. Yeah. some kind of, it was a threat, you know, like, um, and it was true. She was very painful, very unreasonable. And it's quite stressful dealing with that. But reviews are so important for growing your business. Um, And I think what can be unfair is when someone, I think, jumps on and leaves a nasty review, which thank God has happened maybe once or twice um, in my whole career at owning a business and I've resolved them each time or there's one time someone jumped on and I'm like why wouldn't you have just emailed me or called me or let me know that that was your experience because I would have done anything to rectify that situation like the customer satisfaction is so important I don't understand when people just jump on and leave this horrible review without giving you any opportunity to change that because I'm the first to say same as you with being transparent with clients I'm the first to say hey listen we know it's been really busy like the last four months and I feel really guilty saying this but COVID has our business has exploded it's been so insanely busy and I'm the first to say we weren't prepared for this we're having a hard time getting staff Um, it's busier than it's ever been we're doing our best to keep up and deliver a good service and maybe that hasn't always been the case and we appreciate you guys being so patient with us and tolerant and understanding during this hard time. That's a big mouthful there. Yeah, yeah, I, it's, um, it's funny because it's interesting with COVID. Our, our business has been similar but there's also limitations, you know, like there is for us obviously we're an online business so it's, it's different from your situation but um, you know, we can't get people's orders to them in the same time frame because there's some things that are out of our control. Mm. I mean, we ship to 27 countries, so postage overseas is... Do you really? That's amazing. Yeah, postage overseas is hard and sometimes it's out of our control with COVID and lack of flights to certain countries. And, you know, customers can become mm. irate in, in terms of reviews. So I think... Um, I don't know, we pride ourselves on on excellent customer service, but I also know that there is a limit to what you can do. And most people, the majority, when you um, explain that something's out of your control, for you know, something is out of your realms to be able to, most people are reasonable. And I have the assumption that most people are, um, and I yes. think I'm a big believer in getting on the phone, not staying on email as well because yes because people can be very very different on email behind a keyboard as when you go hey I'm really sorry to hear that you're um 100 got your product let's chat about it what can we do to make this right if you can pacify people in an instant um voice to voice um much better than written word to written word that's when things can get um, lost. So I always train our admin team we, we try and say no 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 jump on the phone just give them a call yeah through we can resolve yep. a lot um i think as well uh, it's so true and email it it really does the tone and i had an incident um recently where someone emailed me and she was like oh this had happened and then i went somewhere else and I, at first i was like why did you go somewhere else you should have just called me but as well, it was just bad timing. I had, you know, just gotten some really bad news about my my closest girlfriend and um, her um, – she had brain tumours. So I was a little bit less tolerant than I normally am. <laughs> like, you know, what to me at that time felt like a very minuscule problem. So I didn't think I was rude in my email, but I was probably not as, like, um, sucky as I normally am. Yeah. And she jumped straight on that. She picked up that tone straight away. And in the end, we had a conversation on the phone. All was good. But by the same token, I have had a lot of clients because, you know, everybody's been working from home this year. And one of my clients said to me the other day, she was, I cannot get over people in the office now because we're all communicating via email. There's there's these little snippy bitchy comments and things being misun- misinterpreted and tone being misunderstood. And I'm like, yeah, that would be massive because people aren't having face-to-face conversations. 
Totally. And, um, you know, it's um, it's a reminder for me. We, we use WhatsApp in our business, so we WhatsApp voice all the time. And I try and voice message as opposed to type because yes, send- I love voice message. Oh, my God, how good is voice message? It's the best because then you remove that kind of tone or if it's misunderstood. And it's the immediacy of being able to talk but not having to do a phone call. So I quite like the, you know, so we we, we all have our team chats on and WhatsApp and we tend to voicey. So um, voicey over text but phone calls over voicey for customers. That's that's my theory. (laughs) Yes, yes, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I like to use the voice message for my husband now. I think he finds it really weird. <laughs> but I'm like, if I then there's no misinterpretation of my tone. <laughs> he doesn't use it back, but yeah, I love it. Yeah, great, fantastic. So I love that you mastered uh, the sunscreen. I think that's pretty imp- impressive, um, and. I love that you have found a business partner that you work so well with because I always used to say never go into be- never have a business partner and then like you I went into business with one of my closest friends and it was the best thing ever we she was just the yin to my yang like we just fit you know what I mean um same as obviously you do with your business partner and then unfortunately she got very sick and now it's just me but it's good to have a it's good to hear a positive experience about having a business partnership. So can you tell me, I guess, what that has done for you having a partner in your business? This is for anyone that might be sitting on the fence. <laughs> yeah, this is such an interesting um, this is such an interesting point because we were told the same thing. Don't go into business with a friend. Um, you know, it's the quickest way to ruin a friendship. Um I, yep. I completely disagree with that. We've been incredibly, and I'm not going to say that our business partnership is without difficulty. There are sometimes we um, really struggle with certain aspects of each other. But I tell you, the the underlying love and respect that we have for each other sustains us beyond what any other business partnership could be and gives us such an advantage of um, communication, of connection. I don't, I know for a fact I could not have this business without Danny. Danny could not have this business without me. If we were anything other than best friends, this wouldn't work. It, it just wouldn't work. We have yes. deep underlying love for each other that when we have huge blow-ups, um, we know that that love sustains anything else. Um, and, and, you know, we work very intensely together. We're both single parents. We both um, juggle the, the difference between kids and business and life and, you know, all of the things in between. We are each other's biggest supporter. Um, and we, I think the trick is for us is that we have to get over things really quickly. We have to give each other the benefit of the yes. We have to not hold grudges. We have to see the value in each other's perspective and sometimes our views on things are polar opposites, are 180-degree different opinions, which is really, really difficult. And then we have to go, sometimes I'm going to concede this one and you get to have your way. Other times Danny concedes and I get to have my way. But if either of us feels so strongly about an issue we don't move on that issue until it's two agree agreements of hell yes or hell no. So, yeah. you know, we, we know when to push each other. We know when to pull back. I don't think you could have that not as a friendship. I, I can see why business relationships oh, absolutely. Are that, that are not a friendship because if we didn't have that bond, I don't think we'd still even be able to cope with, with having a business. Yeah, it's a lot and you can see why they don't work out for sure. And I always felt that Christy and I were the exception to the rule, but we were in the same situation as you and Danny because we were such close friends and still are such close friends and we did have such a strong bond and respect and love for each other and to the point where my husband is like, Christy is replacing me. (laughs) 
<laughs> there are more photos of you and Christy in our house than there are of me and you. <laughs> Maybe yeah, a little we, bit we too both, much. But, we, yeah, we had a special bond. Yeah, we both got rid of our husbands and we found that that worked a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> we joked a lot about, oh, you know, why don't we just move in together? <laughs> we would make the perfect marriage. But then, you know what, probably no. that might be crossing a line and we'd get sick of each other pretty quick. Totally, yeah. There's always that line. But, no, we I, I feel very, very lucky to be in the partnership that I'm in with Danny and I think it's been four years now. So, um, you know, and I, and I don't say it's all rainbows all the time, like it's it's not, but we, at the end of the day, we still absolutely love to hang out together as friends separate from the business. Um, we still love to travel together yes. when we can. So I think it's often a great sign of a friendship if you can travel with another person. We've always been great travel, absolutely. travel partners that we've always loved doing trips together and, and hanging out in that way. And then we also really respect each other's space as well, that when I need time away or Danny needs time away, then we, we can read each other's signs really well like that. That's awesome. I think and if you can just be completely open and transparent with each other and that's a huge win as well. So that is amazing and I think I love what I, we got from this chat was that, you know, it, I think there's a saying but I don't know exactly what it is but it's something along the lines of, you know, it takes years to become an overnight success. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it does. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, I don't ever even think of it as a success. I think of it as a, a, um, a, a something in motion, something that's evolving, something that's changing. Sometimes we have great growth. Other times we have setbacks. Um, I mean, what is success at the end of the day? Success is actually being able to sleep well at night. Success is being able to pay your bills. Success is being able to have time with your kids. Anything above and beyond that, yes. it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not really what it's about. It's about, you know, it's just about doing the best you can to get through the days, I reckon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it looks different for everybody. And I have a client who I love. She goes, oh, um, you know, I don't want to be booked out all the time. I don't want a waiting list. I don't want to be huge and expand. She's like, I just want to do X amount of clients a week and that's it. I'm happy because I like my time to myself. I like the freedom to be there for my children. That is her idea of success. And I'm like, that is so true. Everybody's always assuming that we all want to rule the world and be billionaires, but it's that's not necessarily the, the case. Success looks different to everybody and that is completely okay. And success, I think, um, having been a single mum as well, is sometimes just being able to provide for your family and be there for your kids. I mean, that's always been one of my greatest accomplishments. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I wrote this post about um, after my marriage ended about um, having to rediscover actually what brings me joy because I'd been married for such a long time and in partnership for such a long time that I had completely forgotten about what those things were. And, and I literally didn't know. I, I was like, what brings me joy? And, and I started doing a list and it was so simple, the things. It was having my coffee in the morning. It was if I could get to the ocean <laughs> once a day, that, that, that was a good day you know, and, um, yes. and very, you know, if I can talk to a girlfriend and, um, have a beautiful heart centered conversation, um, paying attention to those micro moments in your day that bring you joy and rebuilding on those very, very simple foundations of, of joy and anything else on top of that, you know, is the, is the, is the cream really? So I, cream. I, I think it. Yeah. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think we can become so busy in our minds and in our lives and in our that we lose sight of the the micro successes as mothers that, um, that yes. sustain us. That sustain us, and they're they're little, they're tiny things that you almost blink and you don't see. I know. Yeah, it's true. So true. Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me. I feel like I could talk to you for days and days and days. And it, I, I, these conversations are always good when you're speaking to someone that you can tell is so passionate about what they do. They're genuine and authentic, which is 
you in a nutshell. And um, I love it when I learn something from these conversations. So there was so much you were saying about the kids and the screen time and what we're putting into their bodies. And I actually walk away feeling, I think if I walk away feeling a little bit motivated and inspired, (laughs) then I've had a really good conversation. And I'm sure that will do the same for everybody listening. And I am going to jump on your website because I was having a good old stook this morning and I was like, wow, there's so much good stuff on here that's so relevant for our, for my kids. Um, you've got the confidence packs and the calming packs and I really, kids change all the time. As I'm sure you know, you've got 10-year-olds. I don't know, mine are girls, so maybe a bit different, but they, you know, one minute you're like, yeah, I've had a really pretty, pretty cruisy kids, not a lot of drama. And then in a blink of an eye, issues arise at school, there's bullying, there's tears, there's self-doubt. And then you're left like kind of with your head spinning going, oh my God, I don't know how to deal with this. Like as a parent, no one, (laughs) there's no handbook. So we need tools. Um, 100% need tools and sometimes we don't know how to find those tools to manage these situations. I know this has been a big year for me of going, holy shit, what can I read? What course can I attend? What products can I buy to try and handle this situation of these new and interesting moods that my lovely daughters are bringing home? Mm. And so for you to have those tools, amazing, so amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it's... it's um, That's what I'll be getting for Christmas. <laughs> the important element of, of what we do as well is is facilitating connection. Um, Danny's a trained family therapist, so we do a lot, of, um, a lot of education stuff within the business about navigating hard shit with kids because... Um, as you say, it's ups and downs all the time. There's this great Buddhist saying that says no one can put up a sign at the front of their house that says all is well here because at any moment it's not well. You know, at any moment it's hard. Yes. At any moment this child is struggling with confidence or self-esteem or self-worth or um, at any moment things can change and we have to learn to, you know, move and adapt and change and um, flow with our kids as they change. And we change, you know. We're, I'm learning. You're learning. We're all figuring. Yes, out. we're all figuring ourselves. Oh my gosh. Journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So amazing that you have created those tools to help people like me and our kids. And I think it's amazing, and you've done a really good job. Um, Alyssa, you guys are legends. Thank you, Elsa. That's been so lovely. And if anyone, and if anyone, and if anyone wants to jump on and have a look, it's one two three nourishme.com.au or just dot com. Is it um, Alyssa? It can be both. It's both. Both fabulous. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna get a few products to put in there Christmas stocking and that hopefully they will be cured so thanks for that <laughs> we'll do it now because we've got our biggest sale of the year so do it do it now sooner rather than later. i know i just had a look this morning and i'm like yep i am getting all of those things <laughs> so thank you so much Alyssa, for chatting with us today that was so insightful and i think maybe we'll have to have another chat again sometime soon anytime really enjoyed it elsa thanks for having me Thank you for listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast. I am Elsa Mitchell and you can find me at elsamitchell.com.au or if you'd like to meet my friends, please head on over to Facebook and I invite you to join our free group, Bossy Bitch. Bossy Bitch.